Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we are broadcasting from the top of the Hay Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is 106.5 FM, WFMP-LP, Louisville. Uh, now, you can find out a little bit more about our station if you go to forwardradio.org. We are live streaming now, uh, and so you can listen to us anywhere in the city. Anywhere in the state, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. Also, our shows are archived. So if you go to forwardradio.org, uh, go to podcasts and archives, and uh, you can listen to us, uh, listen to the show at 12 midnight, uh, 6 o'clock in the morning, anytime you want. Uh, so, folks, we're uh, blessed and favored uh, uh, to have Larry Hopecamp here on, uh, uh, on our show, which, Thank of you, course, uh, again, uh, this is On the Edge with K.A. Owens. And uh, so Larry is a longtime community activist. He's worked on many political campaigns. He's mis- worked on many issue-based campaigns. He's w- been a member of many organizations throughout the years. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Larry, um, some of the, uh, the favorite issues or favorite campaigns that you've, you've worked on over uh, the many years you've been involved here in Louisville? Well, let's see if my memory goes far back enough. Uh, my first real political activity was involvement in the 1972 campaign for George McGovern for president, which, of course, was a failure, but you learn in politics, you learn from failures if you are truly involved in democratic politics. I've been involved in many activities since then. Prior to that, uh, my political involvement was there were a number of people in the community. I grew up in Oklahoma, and they were involved in politics, both the Democratic and Republican parties. And back in those days, uh, Democrats, well, were never that hip, but uh, there were some awful Democrats and not so awful Republicans. But that was back in the days when the Republican Party was still associated with Abraham Lincoln and civil rights. Uh, there was uh, a lot of uh, issues back then that still continue today. And I think it was invited here specifically to discuss uh, one issue, and that was, oh, the aftermath of city-county merger since the year 2000, but also before then, how we even got to this situation. Oh, so folks, uh, you know, we're broadcasting this show from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, In Kentucky, Louisville and Lexington uh, have different forms of merged government. For a lot of, for most, a lot of people's lives, you had the city of Louisville and Jefferson County and uh, the the county had uh, three county commissioners and a county judge uh, for the unincorporated areas, uh, as they might say, and then Louisville had a mayor. And then within uh, 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 the Jefferson County, you had 80 or so little cities, uh, some larger or smaller than others, some with a mayor and a city council and a police department. Then you still have uh, many volunteer fire departments uh, uh, across the county, 
And so um, both Louisville and Lexington went through a process of merge government uh, where some functions will merge, uh, uh, and, but, but not all. So in Louisville, the, the business community is something that really wanted it and had more than several campaigns that failed and finally was on the ballot in uh, the year 2000. And it, uh, it went through and then uh, uh, city, merged city government actually came into operation, uh, I believe, 2003. So, uh, Larry, uh, uh, and so uh, it's just entering here, here recently. Uh, uh, oh, the state has put some changes in, in our, uh, originally we had the, uh, the mayor could uh, hold three terms but the state changed that back uh, to just two terms, two four-year terms, and now uh, the state is making it easier to uh, for little cities to uh, incorporate within Jefferson County for some reason when the whole <coughs> purpose behind merger was to consolidate, right? Because allegedly it would save uh, <laughs> money. But so uh, maybe there was some other purpose behind, behind merger that uh, all of us perhaps didn't understand. Yes. So go ahead, Larry. Tell us about... Uh, okay. Uh, well, let's uh, talk about how Louisville grew. Uh, up to, in the early days, I would say up to the 1930s, Louisville could almost annex at will. All cities did that. <coughs> uh, New York, as we know, uh, had a slam-bang merger in the 1880s, which gave us Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Bronx, etc., as part of the area and creation of new counties in Long Island, Louisville annexed pretty much at will and could do it, including cities that were already incorporated. Portland was, I would say, first victim back in the 1850s. And Portland basically was uh, a bankrupt little with hardly any government, like board of trustees and things. Got, they wanted development, they couldn't get development, the city of Louisville could, so they said, well, we agree to be annexed if you do a number of things, like you know, build railroad extension to Portland because they got sidetracked by railroads even after they built the Portland Canal. And take care of the local cemetery. So today, the taxpayers are taking care of the cemetery in Portland. Update some time later. Parkland neighborhood and Highland Park were also annexed in the same um, direct manner. In the late 1930s, I think around 1938, two things happened. There was a young, ambitious uh, attorney named Charles Farnsley whom we know later on as you know one of Lowell's great mayors, but he wasn't so great when he was state senator. He introduced a bill to limit Lowell's powers of annexation. And the purpose of that was uh, that the labor movement was getting strong and uh, there was, uh, just for even uh, with political pressure, many uh, politicians decided to be more pro-labor. Plus the fears of being taxed, so a lot of the stillers who were in the suburbs, particularly along Seventh Street Road, the west side Seventh Street Road, just didn't want to be annexed. So they had this law passed, and interestingly enough, 
the first, the third, four, fifth, sixth class cities appeared, such as the city of Shively. It got started around 1938. At the same time, a lot of well-off people moved out of the West End. This was partly a result of the flood. It wasn't quite uh, uh, the flood of 1937. St. Matthews? I said the flood of 1937. flood of 1937, yes. flood of 1937. And also, you know, well, you get tired of your old place at Shawnee Park, so you want to move out to uh, somewhere around Chenoweth Lane or wherever. At any rate, uh, these cities were popping up. There's about a dozen others. By the 1960s, 1970s, there were like, what is it, around 120, 160 small cities in Jefferson County. And none of them, you know, they're unthreatened. They're, they're pretty much untouched. Uh, I think they have like 100, last count, 160,000 people. The biggest being Jefferson Town, which has close to 30,000 people. Shively has around 15,000, St. Matthews, 12 or 15,000 or so. And then there's some other smaller places. But in one sense, they aren't protected, as we see what happened to uh, the areas annexed by the airport. Miners Lane Heights and uh, South Park Acres, those were two of the fifth or sixth class cities, basically got wiped off the map by... Uh, the airport expansion. This this was the airport expansion, which was promoted strongly by a new merged government and Mayor Jerry Abramson, and of course the airport authority and the business elites basically wiped out entire neighborhoods. Now South Park, Acres, all those had a new place out the other side of the county off of uh, oh I think Mount Washington Road and. Uh, it was a Cedar Creek Road. They ready to move it out there, but the fact that just because you organize into a city doesn't mean you're protected. Uh, the main thing, the main thing is this: if I have to get a bit Marxist here, all politics is economic. All politics is class, and the ruling class pretty much dictates. Even if you have your own government, and the city level is just that. Update. To the 1960s, city of Louisville was stagnant, it was constrained, and the growth was out in the county. And both have financial situations. I am not philosophically anti-merger. To me, uh, there were a number of departments that should have been merged. Darrell Owens, who was one of the chief spokespeople against merger, he was uh, first... uh, prominent attorney and then became a county commissioner in the old county government and then became a state representative. He uh, pushed for the merger of a number of departments such as uh, the Parks Department and some other, I'm trying to think of all the departments. But he was against the merger as proposed and pushed by the business and their political elites. In 1984, the state legislature allowed a referendum to be launched for city-county merger. 
it was unreal in that I think there was about a million dollars spent to pass the merger. This was back in 1980s. And a million dollars was good money back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it still is, but it may not get you elected US, to the U.S. Congress. But back then, yes, and the anti-merger crowd, they spent a few thousand. But they did have some very huge connections, particularly out in the county. A number of otherwise politically absurd combinations. You had both the FOP, the Fraternal Order Police, and the NAACP, the National Association for Advancement of Colored People, together on this, and a number of other civil rights groups. You had the volunteer firefighters, the volunteer fire departments out in the county, and uh, other small cities opposed to it. Well, it got defeated. <laughs> Barely, but it got defeated. And there was a survey done the night before by the late great political science professor at UofL, Dr. Joel Goldstein, said, well, mergers should pass if the turnout was normal. If the turnout was extra good, merger's in trouble. Well, merger was in trouble. It lost. Then they had second vote the next year. They were determined as hell to get passed and lost again. By 2000, they did their homework. They understood what was going on. And they figured, first of all, the county was changing. There were some enclaves that had some, uh, out in southwestern Jefferson County, had some well-off subdivisions. People were clueless about the issues. And also they told people, well, we'll, we'll extend garbage service out in the county. You know, they were lying. <laughs> And uh, they even made deals with some of the right-wing churches saying that, well, we will defeat gay rights. Gay right, that was around the time the first gay rights ordinances got passed and laws against discrimination and to extend civil rights protections for gay and lesbian citizens. And they all went gaga for that. I think they also uh, had some influence with the FOP, and uh, many of the small cities, I think one thing they allowed also was a loophole to let go of, uh, to allow, I think they always did, they always allowed, this was the outrageous thing about city-county merger, the small cities to continue. So they could have their fun games, they could have their own self-governance and their own services, but other people cannot have their say. Also, the city of Louisville, as we had known it, which existed since, I don't know when it first, well, it first got complete incorporation back in 1820, 1826 or 1820s, but it had government for two centuries, nearly two centuries, disappeared. They had, as we know, as the Urban Services District. But if people don't have a direct government, they don't have any direct say so how they want their services. And that's the whole issue against the merger. If people have any form of direct say so, they don't have any say so. Simple as that. One other thing I want to point out, I was not only involved with the opposition to city county merger, but I was a member of the City County Governance Commission. No one talks about it today, but it was a commission set up to set up the plans for city county merger. And I was put in deliberately to make sure that I screwed up the works. 
Well, I couldn't because everything was bought and sold and controlled and manipulated by the Louisville, Greater Louisville Chamber of Commerce. They had everything planned. They had their MCs or the people that guided the, uh, the meetings as their people. A lot of them were like UFL business professors, and we know how smarmy they get. At any rate, uh, they got their merger plan. I see how they worked. They always they had booked and pa packaged and everything. And the opposition, my little opposition was there, uh, was pretty much this. You know, we didn't even know each other. I was picked because I knew two people who were got very eager to have me in. That was, one was Dr. Joe McMillan, who was but what was his official title? Director or Dean of African American Studies Program at the University of Louisville. And Renee Butterworth, who was a community leader in Valley Station area involved in environmental issues. And they both pushed for me to get in there. My influence was, I guess, next to nil. And uh, by next year, by later on that year, City County merger got passed, so the rest is history. But now we've seen some repercussions from it. We've seen the airport project where they attempted to basically uh, t take over neighbor entire neighborhoods and move them out. We're talking about so mostly solid middle-class neighborhoods, working-class neighborhoods in an airport area. But some of the neighborhoods weren't even near the airport, but they were prime industrial real estate or potential industrial real estate. So now if you drive down Miners Lane, uh, down the outer loop west of I-65, you'll see the giant, quote, distribution centers, unquote. And that was a product of the city-county merger indirect, indirectly. And, of course, direct result of uh, airport expansion. So, uh, so here we are. Uh, I was on the ballot in 2000, came into play in uh, 2003. Now it's 2023. <laughs> 2023, and we're still alive. How about that, Larry? Well, I didn't say that Louisville uh, totally disappeared because of the city county merger. I don't think we're as actively democratic as we were back, let's say, in the late 90s when we had three progressive Democrats in, uh, in the county fiscal court, Darrell Owens, Russ Maple, and Dolores Delahanty. And we had, I would say, more active and assertive people in the old Louisville Board of Aldermen. Which I believe was old, all Democratic in the old Board of Aldermen. Toward yeah, the that, end. that yeah. was the other thing. Yeah, I think that's, and uh, so the division was between, really, who was the most progressive on the old Board yeah. of all, all Aldermen. But what's interesting, even though everybody in the old Board of Aldermen, everybody in county fiscal court were Democrat, Republicans, at least out in the county, or, or, uh, or yeah, most of uh, Republicans out in the county were just said opposed to merger too, at least the first two referenda. Right off, and I think I, the last county judge who sat over the 
uh, the, uh, all the county commissioners. I believe uh, she was a Republican. What was her name? Uh, you're talking about. Duh, I should know she was. A, I don't know. Uh, It'll uh, probably come to us. Uh, for, but she was. Before uh, the end of the meeting, we'll think of it. Yeah. But uh, was a female uh, uh, Jefferson County judge, which had power and authority at that time. That is, the, the county judges and. Uh, commissioners still exist here in Jefferson County, but they have no power and authority. All their powers and authority have been stripped and, uh, 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 and have been uh, transferred to the uh, uh, the Metro Mayor. Yeah. Empty and, title. Mm-hmm. So, yes. But some people still uh, uh, run for those titles, uh, interestingly enough. Yeah, you can still vote for county judge, county commissioner. <laughs> You yes, but, but just, they just—it's just meaningless. I knew the guy who was county judge, and he was just some young kid who uh, wanted to see if he could run and hold a title. Right, and so there's no pay or power to go along with those titles. So, yeah. so it's interesting. Uh, 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 you know, one of the main differences for ordinary folk is inside the urban services district because the people pay more taxes, they get more services. They get recycling, they get garbage pickup, so on and so forth. The urban services district is essentially the boundary of the old city. Yes. And so outside that, there are people who either don't have uh, garbage pickup or they have to contract for it. Yes. And so there's this argument there are people who live outside the urban services district they essentially want city services without paying any more for them. Yeah. So that is their goal, uh, to uh, to uh, get stuff that they haven't paid for. Here's the outrageous, undemocratic thing about the whole merger mm-hmm. concerning services. Mm-hmm. People who live in urban services district, i.e. the former city of Louisville, don't have total say-so because it has the operation of it and the it's undemocratic because people who live outside the urban services right. district that's what I was are say. on the metro council. Yeah, and they're they the have majority. A, and they tell, even mm. though they're not using it, mm. they tell the people living in the urban services district how to run things. So they have a vote on the lives of people who live within the urban services yeah. district. So, so that's part of the phenomenon, too. Now, on the current metro council, there are 26 members of the Metro Council, whereas in the old Board of Aldermen, they were 12. And uh, on the old Board of Aldermen, uh, uh, you know, if you had you had four uh, uh, progressives uh, in that last iteration of it, uh, coming four, uh, four blacks and two progressive whites, and those, that was Bill Allison and Tina Ward-Pugh. Yeah. So you had six out of 12 and they could really get stuff done, uh, stuff they voted for, a fairness ordinance they got got through, they got uh, a, a civilian review of police ordinance then, and a living wage ordinance all passed through because of the, uh, the dynamic that existed at that time. Then you went to 26, and now there are, it's still Democratic-dominated, but it's they are Republicans, and actually, I believe the Democrats actually lost a couple seats the last time going around. Last so, time, yes. So it just depends, uh, and I think uh, now that uh, who's going to be president of the Metro Council now that David David James stepped down to uh, be a deputy mayor for Greenberg is it, is it Marcus Winkler? 
Uh, I had no idea. In fact, I thought he stepped down. No, no. He's still there, okay. Right, no. But, uh, folks, uh, you just have to Google that, the new president of the Metro Council. Uh, uh, but uh, as I, according to the Courier Journal, uh, I think the, the, the leadership is uh, basically from outside uh, the old city. Uh, so we'll see how, the, how that plays out. We have uh, a system that's set up to... Uh, circumvent the will of the people, pure and simple. I'll just put that in one sentence. Oh, well, uh, one of the things to talk about, because uh, uh, a couple Metro Council people have resigned to work for Greenberg, the way it's set up, that is, the Metro Council is going to vote on their replacements. You just you send in resumes, and the Metro Council is going to vote on their replacements. Some people think that's undemocratic. They should. Some people think they should immediately be called a special election. Uh and some people say, well, that would just cost money. It's very expensive, so on and so forth, to put on the election. Democracy costs money. So right. people should get through their fixed skulls. Right. So so that's, that's kind of where we are. Uh, uh, it's interesting that the state of Kentucky and Louisville both actually have money now because of pandemic relief funds coming from the federal government. So, for instance, the, uh, the government in Frankfurt... Uh, except for the, uh, which is our state capital, except for the governor himself, who's a Democrat, uh, both the House and the Senate are Republican-dominated. They have plenty of money to spend because a a Democratic president and Democratic administrations have sent through pandemic relief funds. So that's why Kentucky has money, and that's why Louisville has money. Uh, Not because of so it's interesting the the Republican delegation to Washington did not vote for any of the pandemic relief funds. Didn't vote for them. But the people of Kentucky get to spend money that their Republican representative didn't even vote for. Okay, hey, can I bring up two dangers as a result, immediate dangers as, as a result of, of uh, oh, city county merger? Go ahead. We've well, got... Uh, about four minutes. Four Go minutes. ahead. I will try to be as quick as possible. One, the danger from Frankfurt. Frankfurt give us. Frankfurt can take us away. The state legislature can change Louisville anytime, or any government for that matter, but Louisville particularly. And they have a big grudge against Louisville because we are that supposedly that radical hotbed, you know, to some of these rustic reactionary minds out there. In civilization, we have the theater, the ballet, yeah. uh, opera, but also and we gay allow, people. Yeah, we allow gay rights. We allow Well, labor. we have gay people who are out in the open. They have plenty yeah. of gay people out in the country, yeah. but they're all yeah. in the closet. Hey, You're right. But uh, they also, we've recognized, organized, we always have recognized organized labor in Louisville. There were huge strikes uh, right after the Civil War, and there were even... Uh, Something the labor unions back in the 1830s. So they had this problem. We're just simply too multicultural, too multi ethnic uh, to satisfy uh, the determined minds of, uh, like I said, some rural reactionaries. It has always been that way. There's been some decent Republicans out in rural Kentucky, but now we got a legislature that's hostile toward Louisville and is determined to take their rights. One law that got passed. It was introduced by one of our state representatives. I'll give you the name. State Representative Jason Nemus out in far eastern Jersey County. He introduced a bill that any small city can annex land. 
city, there's no longer a city of Louisville. You know, the possibility that Douglas Hills or, I doubt Shively, but Douglas Hills can annex Louisville for that matter. You get away with it. Uh, I'm exaggerating slightly, but no, not really. After we see what happened. The second problem is they're not providing the services. We're seeing less and less services in the West End and a big gripe in Southern Jersey County that we don't get our share of services. That's now particularly so. Let me just give you one example. Recreational facilities, swimming pools. Southern or all over the county used to be dotted with public swimming pools. Every public high school had its own swimming pool. I know Southern did. I think Fern Creek did. There's still one out in Fairdale, a small one, and one out in Sun Valley Country Club. Well, it used to be Sun Valley Country Club. Now it's a park out around Valley Station. But those are the only those ones. Those are all good, good points, Larry. So, uh, folks, we've been here with Larry Hovecamp, who's been giving us a... Uh, Really a great historical analysis of city-county merger here in Louisville. This is On the Edge with K.A. Owens. Thank you, Larry. We'll be back next week.